Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. We'd like to wrap 2020 with weekly live Q&A sessions here on the podcast. So after this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support this holiday season, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. everyone. I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We're upbringing. We're here. We're late, but we are so grateful to be here. Thank you for joining us. We're tired. (laughs) We're emotionally sore and raw from all this parenting stuff. And we're grateful that you're here with us to talk about the hardest things, challenging behaviors, big feelings, um, all the things that make us feel like getting in the car and driving away and not coming home or drinking wine in the shower and crying all night or I don't know all the things those are my top two right now (laughs) Uh, but we're here to acknowledge also our privilege as cis white straight women Um, and not just our this opportunity to be able to be talking about these things discipline control breaking um, breaking these sort of like Um, conditioned barriers to connection with our kids and growing up ourselves, but also our responsibility um, to be doing these, to be interrupting these cycles um, of control and thinking about this stuff, talking about this stuff. I swear it's going to be fun. Yeah. I mean, to be parenting for sanity and social change, like we say, where we're parenting for ourselves to be um, aligning as a person and parent, right? Mm-hmm. To be raising a child and honoring a child that we love so much and that we're so committed to, right? To be creating a family that we feel really good being a part of and, and nurturing. And then ultimately that social change aspect is raising a child and moving into the world as an adult and as a parent and with this child to create social change. Um, raising a child that knows and understands uh, themselves in a really intimate, uh, essential way, who understands power and how it can be used or abused and has had experiences with power being sensitively used with other people when you're in a hierarchy that most of our institutions are based on, right? Yeah. We want to raise different kids. That's 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 the, the big part of the sanity and social change. I was going to say that that all does sound a little bit woo-woo. It's like, <laughs> their spirits, them as people, sanity and social change. We're also about getting through the day, yeah. feeling better, doing better, finding those <clears throat> phrases that work, putting on that that mental support staff hat in a way that's not going to deplete us and make us feel like screaming in everyone. Mm-hmm. But that's the beauty. I think that when we focus on the greater work, you know, raising another generation, it then therefore influences and impacts, right? 
uh, what we say and what we do. Mm -hmm. And the more we're focusing on the minutia of what we say and what we do, that's doing the work for this greater progress. Each we're informs doing. the other. Yes, I exactly. So it's all good. We're all here uh, for personal reasons, for professional reasons, for greater uh, political reasons, and all of it's good. It's all meaningful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Send us some little ideas. Hannah's doing Dive her typing there. fingers for those of you listening <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> um, what's going on with you? What's the hardest with discipline right now? This week we've been talking about how easy it is for us to use shame, not just in our daily discipline, mm -hmm. but even in the planning that goes into creating a family manifesto or a family set of rules or a family set of intentions, right? Mm -hmm. Or family plan, <clears throat> right? We've been trying to get in touch with Renee Brown because uh, of her family gap plan, which is basically oh, hello. saying, okay, when, when we're lacking, when, when we're not all 100%, how can we all be chipping in? And she, she brought up this great idea, really, to mm -hmm. say, if we're all at a certain percentage, not anywhere near 100, how can we be picking up the slack mm -hmm. to bring our family closer to 100? Mm -hmm. um, but the way she went about it is very problematic to us, and we really want to talk to her about it. Mm -hmm. So if any of you know Brene, are connected to a person who's connected to a person who's connected to a person with Brene Brown, please put us in touch because we want to amend her family gap plan. Yes. We want to help her align. And we talk about alignment a lot. We talked this week a lot in all of our Instagram posts about alignment. <clears throat> all of those values she has. Brene is all about empathy, vulnerability, courage, mm -hmm. truth, compassion. And yet her family gap plan is five rules. One, no harsh words. Two, no kind words with harsh faces. Three, say you're sorry. Four, uh, say accept an apology with thank you. And five, more puns and knock-knock jokes which number five, we're like, we feel pretty good about that. that one's good. One out of five feels really good. <laughs> yeah. But this is Brene Brown. we got to talk to her about this. Um, we would like our family manifestos, intentions, rules, plans, whatever they are, agreements to be shame free. And how do we do that without busting these bigger systems of control, of discipline, of saying truly who you are is not connected to what you say, what you do, um, whatever happens. Your worthiness is never at stake in our family by anything you say or do, right? You can make a harsh face. You are still valued here. You are not breaking the plan or failing our manifesto. Mm -hmm. You can still be saying nice words with a harsh face. And that doesn't say you're failing our family. It says you are struggling right. to self control to self-regulate um, we have a lot of <clears throat> side-by-sides and little visuals that really do this we also have an open letter to Brene Brown P pass it on <laughs> know her. Um, we want to talk about all this stuff like, what can we be doing to be creating this sense of camaraderie of um, democracy mm -hmm. of of an egalitarian home that feels like we're all humans we're all in this together we're all doing this together how can we make a set of rules to live by and not fail by. I love that, Kelsey. Thank you for that little rant. Um, so we're talking about that. If you have questions about family manifestos, family plans, family stuff, great. Otherwise, we're sticking to our usual and bread and butter. What? Oh, I was going to say, and we're not the experts in any way on family manifestos and plans. We just see ones that feel problematic to us. And we're like, ooh, but what about this? Ooh, but what about that? We have a lot of colleagues <laughs> like Laura Froyan and other people who actually work on these family agreements in a really mm -hmm. wonderful way, making an agreement that's not set in stone. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that feels problematic to us too, is saying, great, we've got, we're all feeling good. We're all at the table. What do you want in this family agreement? What do you want? Okay. Ice cream on Fridays. Cool. Okay. Smiles when you can. Awesome. <clears throat> and I'm going to put in this list of things that basically bug me, that basically trigger me that basically send me into a fear spiral of who you're going to become as a person. Right. And I'm going to, I'm going to put those in and I'm going to have you sign on the dotted line agreed as our family agreement. Right. So we've got to be careful with these family mm -hmm. agreements and plans and rules that we're making. They look beautiful up on a chalkboard in our kitchen or our mm -hmm. living room, 
We have to make sure that they're developmentally appropriate for our child to make sure that they're reasonable, right? For not just children, but adults to go by. No harsh words and no kind words with harsh faces is completely unrealistic. Uh, mm -hmm. I know Brene had the best of intentions or working with her kids to, to create that family gap plan rule set, but that just sets folks up for failure, for shame, for blame. It's tricky. And so that's what we're exploring this week mm -hmm. on Instagram. And we're happy to explore it here with you if you have questions about it. Um, how can we create these rules in an inclusive, non-binary, fluid, accepting, open-ended, curious, mm -hmm. uh, optimistic, uh, pragmatic way? Uh, you know, yeah. that's a tricky thing. So in our shop, we have a, a little download of what we came up with for uh, in our family, which I think in our family is one of those phrases where we find ourselves yeah. going, in our family, we don't, we always, <laughs> yeah. we never... <clears throat> Making these the statements. Yeah. And if we're able to think ahead a little bit on in our family, what would we really want to do that aligns with who we are as people and parents, that aligns with who our child is and should be and can be mm -hmm. based on their development, based on the values we have, right, as progressive people. Um, so all of that's what we're talking about tonight. But if you also are just like this thing my kid's doing is driving me crazy, um, we would love to uh, dive into that as well as usual around the discipline, uh, child parent relationship stuff. What's been hard with the big feelings of challenging behaviors? Yeah. So Marcy says, can you briefly explain the family gap plan? Haven't taken a look at that yet. Um, we've mm -hmm. had some amazing comments from people who have looked at it, done yeah. their research and said, but it's Brene. But Brene Brown really just made this family gap plan with her own family and says, make your own family mm -hmm. plan. So what it basically is, and it, you can find so many videos of her talking about it on the internet, like on USA Today, on all of these like magazines and her own brought podcast. into it. Yeah. Um, she basically talks about finding a way to pick up the slack. We're all struggling right now. We're mm -hmm. all having a hard time parenting in captivity, um, working, being in this COVID environment yeah. and connecting with our families and, and getting through the day depleted because we're all struggling so much. Mm -hmm. And I think that she originally sort of talked about it as a percentage thing. She came home and said to her husband, I'm at like 20. And he's like, well, I'm at like 20. So they're like, okay, that's 40. So we need to have 60%. How are we going to get up to a hundred? <clears throat> and I think that sort of, sort of sparked the conversations for her with her family of here are these rules that can help us get how can to we, 100, how to can we, raise the level. <clears throat> how can we pitch in to compensate mm -hmm. lovingly, not as individuals, but as a family unit? Which is awesome. <clears throat> right. And she talked about things like getting more sleep, um, exercising bodies, having eating good foods, eating good foods, having joyful experiences. But then she also had those five rules, which we mentioned earlier, about harsh faces and apologies specifically harsh words harsh faces apologies yeah. and those were her family rules but the problem with someone like Brene who has so much influence and impact and such a huge community around her saying what her rules are is that other folks are going to say oh well if those rules work for Brene then I'm going to use those rules let's just too. start that as the golden standard for right. writing our own rules and right. we'd never heard of Brene Brown's uh, family gap plan until three of our family coaching uh, folks came to us and said well, we've had a lot of problems, actually. It's feeling kind of problematic. We've got this family gap plan from Brene. And we were like, what? What family gap plan? What do you mean? And they started describing it to us and the way that they used hers and then kind of built on it. And we're having a lot of trouble enforcing it. As in, I need to enforce no harsh words. Right. And, and that's really driving a wedge between me and my kid because I'm saying, you can't talk to me that way. And those of you who are who are um, more familiar with our upbringing community and have listened to a lot of our podcast episodes and are here regularly know that we never censor our kids' words, ever. We don't judge their <clears throat> words. We don't punish their words. Our kids have the right and the freedom to speak among all of their freedoms. We have 10 in our freedoms model that we talk about that are sort of our overarching little spheres that our kids are slowly um, taking their power um, and their energy in and yeah. sort of like stepping into as they grow older <clears throat> that we want to be sensitively supporting around their freedom to speak, to feel, to know, to move, to contribute, mm 
mm-hmm. to choose, to express all of these things. But I think in the, in, in the freedom to speak and the freedom to feel realm, we've all been conditioned through our culture, through our own upbringings to believe that when our kids speak rudely or harshly to us, that that's wrong mm-hmm. and that our job is to shut it down, to stop it, to teach that it's not okay. And so I think that that's where Brene Brown's family gap plan rules are, is like when we're all struggling, why would we use harsh words and even you know, kind words with harsh faces? We wanna that's make not things, helping. We wanna make things easier for everyone. Right. So don't use harsh words or harsh faces. Say you're yeah. sorry and accept an apology like this. Right. But have you ever tried to censure or censor or censure a, ch- a two-year-old or four-year-old's harsh words or Or us anybody's (laughs) harsh face have you ever tried to force an apology with a three-year-old or a five-year-old uh that's really tricky it's that does not match with their development and so that's the 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 like the issue we have with Brene's family gap plan that we want her to rewrite is that it's being misread in a lot of ways with a lot of families and it's basically piling on the pressure for someone who is already struggling and saying Oh my gosh, we're struggling as a family. We're only at 30%. So I'm going to add some extra pressure on you. Mm-hmm. No harsh words, no harsh faces. Say, say you're sorry and, and take an apology like this while you're already struggling. Right. Doesn't make sense to us at all. And that's why we want to talk to her about it and say, why wouldn't, if, if a family is struggling, we would say, give grace, right. give space, give love when you can. Let the people who are doing better carry the load and let the people who are struggling be human, right. be themselves, let it all out in this safe space in a way that she talks so often about taking the mask off, being, being comfortable with the people that you trust and letting it all out. Mm-hmm. So where's, where's the space for that? That's where we're right. I don't know. So that's the bone we have to pick with Brene Brown. If you know her, if you know anyone with her, we want to talk to her mm-hmm. we're trying to get in touch with her. Talk about this family plan, these mantras, these um, these intentions, uh, milestones, these intentions, right? And then thinking beyond that, okay, Brene doesn't come around. That's okay. She's this catalyst for all of us in this upbringing community to think, what what would our plan be? What are our values, right? Mm-hmm. Not our expectations. I think expectations and values are very different, mm-hmm. right? And get what, confused a little bit. Absolutely. What are our values as a family? And how does that trickle down and align with the practices we have, right? We can't expect too much. <laughs> You're so into us calling on Brene. Thanks, Thanks Gretchen. Gretchen. <laughs> um, well, I think we're so connected with saying, well, I, like my beliefs, then therefore our reality, right? I had these expectations as a parent, so my child should therefore this. Mm-hmm. But I think all, this whole discussion on family plans is saying, wait a second, my kids are in this as well. I'm not alone in this. They're humans. I'm a human. What can we all be doing here? What's developmentally appropriate? Let's bust this whole myth of what you should be doing because that's actually totally hierarchical. It's totally like white patriarchy mm-hmm. definition of, right? And let's talk for a second about shame, which is Brene's yeah. number one thing. She's yeah. a shame researcher, a pioneer of shame. Yeah. And yet, her family manifesto, the family gap plan, says, know this, mm-hmm. know this, know to any human being, if not a sensitive child, says, shame on you for being you, period. Yeah. That's what it says. We have a couple little comments. My dad, who comes to our house every day, has a line, quote, makes me want to say yes, i.e., trying to explain to my three-year-old that if she asks in a nicer way, he might be more likely to do what she wants. I was on board with this until listening to you guys and now wonder if that's interrupting her freedom to speak and teaching her to manipulate. Interested to hear your take. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's that's such a brilliant question. I think that's something we struggle with mm-hmm. all the time as parents and then also as parents witnessing um, others interacting with our child and thinking, mm-hmm. wow, they have these freedoms to speak, to mm-hmm. feel, to all these things. We're focusing not on socialization in these early years with our kids. We're focusing on their self-awareness. That's, That's the a, most important thing to be focusing on, right? Yeah. What? But, but <laughs> it's, I feel like we get tangled up in we are doing this yeah. as in this is our instinct in what we're doing mm-hmm. or this is our goal in what we're doing. We want to be focusing on self-awareness, yeah. not socialization. Mm-hmm. And everything about our conditioning, everything about our childhoods, everything about our culture says, focus on the way things look, focus on the way things feel, 
Focus your child on the external gaze. Mm -hmm. How does this look? How is this flying with other people? And everything that respectful parenting, conscious parenting, research-based child development says is turn that gaze back inward. And it feels so hard and so weird. It's just like, this is mind boggling. This feels incredibly permissive to, to when our kids have harsh words and yell at us and say mean things and throw things and hurt their siblings to instead of saying, you can't X, Y, Z, stop. And I'm doing the external thing to instead turn on them and say, what are you needing? How are you doing? What's going on with That's you? Nurture you that okay? internal gaze, not that external gaze. Yeah. And I mean, I think that we have to keep remembering our kids are growing. Um, these early years, one to 10, even older, these are sensitive years. So that's when we work on them and we prepare and we nurture just like a little plant, a little seed, mm-hmm. anything we're nurturing, we help focus on them. And then that prepares them for the outside world to then have somebody say, oh, the way you said that, I didn't really like it, Mm -hmm. right? And they understand the impact of them being in the world. But we don't want kids to be overexposed to the impact of them being in the world too soon because that can so easily undermine the need that is at the heart of everything they do, right? We don't want them to be people pleasers, to be um, highly anxious about meeting everybody else's needs instead of their own, right? And so that it's not to the expense of them not caring about others' needs. And I think that's what cultural conditioning tells us. It says, if we focus too much on our kids, that's making them selfish, you know, mm-hmm. assholes. Oh, they're going to be such a brat. <laughs> right, exactly. They're and so mean to the neighbor and sensitive lovers. Come on. Right. Hygiene. Oh my God, it's going to be terrible. But I think we have to keep remembering that's not true at all. Research shows that if we focus on the child and their experience and their awareness, awareness is what helps them meet their needs. And awareness is what helps them ultimately then meet someone else's needs, right? In a true, authentic, healthy way. That's the idea. Yeah. We could talk about this forever. And if you guys have other questions going on, we're very meta right now. This has been really fun kind of diving in. Usually we're like toddler hitting cat. Okay, let's go. So every weekend is like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm so tired. No, we're doing this twice a week. How do we even do this? Um, and perfectly. Sophie says so true. It feels so permissive. That such a great reminder. Thank you. But I would say love oh, the crying emojis. Love you. We heart you. Uh, but I would say, like, with uh, Sophie, like, you know, that's okay if your dad, I think kids can code switch. They can understand if your dad's not uh, fully caregiving to your daughter, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be worried. I would just say, oh, so Papa or whatever his name is, he likes you to say things a certain way. Okay. Interesting. You know, you can also say she's going to notice those things mm-hmm. even without saying it explicitly. Kids notice and absorb. They're such sponges and they're really like extraterrestrial extraterrestrial beings in that they understand when we're like, oh, okay. Like that's enough. They're so shame sensitive that we want to make sure how, how careful we can be mm-hmm. with our power. Your dad has power over your child because he's older, right? He's more capable, right? So we have to remember the power we have. So you can always say, she knows that. Like you can show her in other ways if you have that relationship with him, but otherwise don't worry about it. Your relationship with her is the biggest, most influential thing. We have a a podcast episode about caregiver clashes and a lot of caregiver clash uh, Instagram images that say, tackle it with the person to Mm -hmm. say, Hey, here's my concern. Or I'm going to be sensitive and just model around you. Or I'm Mm -hmm. taking you to therapy. Like there's a whole range of things you can do with the people who are in your life to be like, here's my intention, what I want to be doing with my child. I want you on board. I need you to be doing this. Can you do this? Or we go with the kid and we say, that's so interesting that the grandpa was like, I need you to say transactional or whatever. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Some people really need to hear specific words. Oh, good to know with him. Cool. Right. You can say anything you want around me mm-hmm. and I will. I will support you. But we're building right. context. And I think yeah. that's something that we were kind of touching on earlier is we get a lot of messages from people saying, I believe, or my partner says, or my parent says, but how do I pr- like basically arm them mm-hmm. for the outside world that is going to demand things of them. It's going to be rude. That's going to be mean. That's going to do these things. And we say not by being rude and mean and doing these things now, but by focusing on their internal world and arming them internally, not externally for them to walk into those things. Right. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate you both so much. Someone said you always show up for us with a beautiful graciousness. Thank you. Uh, 
Someone said, I'm new to following this account and really value the information you're sharing. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, Siggy said, something Brene mentioned was she gave a choice to her kids. Choose to behave and sit at the table and eat or go to your room. This seems kind of manipulative approach. Uh, my kids choose neither. <laughs> I love that. Um, sure. I, I've heard Brene talk about that too choice in terms theory. of giving choices. Um, She's really big into choice theory. Yeah, and I think yeah. that choices are amazing. And the way we give choices is the way we can choose to empower our kids or shame our kids. Mm -hmm. One or the other. Mm -hmm. So we could say, and connect versus challenge. Love it. Or control. Whatever. So we could say, looks like you're done eating because you're not eating anymore. Do you want to stay sitting here to eat more? Or do you want to leave and we'll clear your plate? Mm -hmm. Or you could say, finish eating or go to your room. Right. And they're exactly the same thing. But the way we say it can, can empower a kid to be thinking inside and thinking about what they want. Or it can be shaming them with the situation and and the way their their choices impacting us. I think so much about it is bringing our kids in. It's mm -hmm. are we distancing our kids in this hierarchical order as a parent mm -hmm. or are we bringing them in democratically to the table and saying, oh, "Okay, so this this mealtime thing, right? We're having based on our resist approach a conversation saying, "I want to bring this child in to understand why this situation's happening. What's at play? What agency they have? What what, what the impact of their stuff is. So that's when we talk about a, a meal window and say, okay, from six to seven, that's when we have dinner. And you can come to the table. Maybe our rule is you eat at the table. If you're not interested in eating, you head out. Okay. Well, we would love you to be here. It's so fun. And We're making you know, this awesome space. You know that there's no food yeah. later, right? Just double checking double that checking. you already know that this is our window that we're going to eat. So there's no food later, no snack. Okay, right. cool. Just so we're, we're Just so connected know. on this, right? And we would maybe mention it earlier so it's not a direct challenge at mealtime, right? When they're hungry, if angry, feel, issue. If it like, feels like it's becoming a pattern. Yeah, talk it about it before. Create an agreement, some awareness, and then mention it again before the meal. So just remember, what time is it right now? Let's check for understanding. Let's bring them in on this. No judgment, no whatever. Kitchen's open six to seven. So you do what you need to do. I'm trusting you. You know your body best. Come and eat a little. I brought you into meal planning and meal uh, making. So I know you ate a little bit in that meal window half an hour before. That's awesome. Okay. If you want to eat with us, we'd love to have you. Dinner time's so fun. We're making it fun right oh, now. Oh, you're trying to walk away with the piece of pizza. Oh, we only eat at the table. Only right? at the table. Remember why? Our agreement about eating at the table. Right? So if you're walking away, that tells me you're all done. Okay. So I'm going to take that piece of pizza and get it back on your plate. Right. Maybe we give it to the dog or you want to come back and sit. What do you want to do? Right. Someone shares. Okay. Another question. My child attends a Maori indigenous New Zealand culture daycare. Cool. And culturally, there are a lot of protocols around respecting elders, much more rules that we're all still learning that. And she's still typing. Okay. But wow, that's talking about code switching before we get into the second part of her, her message yeah. here. Kids can code switch between home and school, home and another caregiver mm -hmm. or parent, as much as you want to align, you know, but yeah. yeah. She says, rules around respecting elders, much more rules don't necessarily align with this approach. I'm interested to know how you've tackled these kinds of cross-cultural situations. Mm -hmm. I mean, we haven't a whole lot because we're cis, white, straight, straight, privileged women who've been in a white Montessori setting, who've been homeschooling, unschooling. Mm -hmm. um, we have, I mean, I, I would say the most um, extent of, of, of differences in culture we've had with grandparents, right? Maybe with friends. But I think all of it in a lot of ways is the same. If you buy into their culture and believe that uh, the, the culture around the school that you're bringing your kids into for preschool, kindergarten, etc., is is um, honoring their freedoms, as well as teaching them about another culture. You can find that fine line. If you buy into that, then it's great. Um, and then you can say, oh, so they they mm -hmm. want you to say thank you after. That's what they do in their culture. That's important, right? Mm -hmm. But then if you feel like it's hitting to the point where it's going a little farther, and culture, they're saying you can't be upset right now. We just got an email from someone recently who said that their child's uh, three-year-old's uh, daycare said that they need to break her of the habit of crying when she's upset about something. 
So that's a cultural thing that this, this child is experiencing and the parent is having to decide whether she agrees with that culture or not. And she can respect that culture and say, you do you, but I don't want my child to be a part of that because I believe all emotions are okay. Or you decide, yes, I believe in that culture and I will bring my child into that, right? So I think that's that's the thing you have to understand and, and kind of wrestle with and, and communicate with the teachers about what's actually mm-hmm. happening at school. Yeah, but I think there could be a middle ground, mm-hmm. like there is with any caregiver, whether yeah. it's a teacher in another culture or a school mm-hmm. or um, a caregiving partner or parent or co-parent yeah. or whoever it is. Everyone's coming from their own culture, yeah. their own viewpoint, their own upbringing, their own um, history. And, and so much of our job as parents is to be constantly negotiating what we believe. And it's exhausting being yeah. like, how does that line up with my ideals? How does that line up with how I want my child to be treated or, to, or what I want their experience to be? And that's, it's hard work, but it, and it's lab, labor, mm-hmm. but it is where all the, the meat is. Mm-hmm. It's saying, here's my intention for what I want my child to experience and the way I want them to learn. And I, Well, and I think that with the school and with grandparents, schools, other parents, caregivers, I think we have to say, what is the intention they have at this preschool? Respect, patience, all of these things. Mm -hmm. But then what's the actual impact of how they're actually teaching it? So if you're teaching respect by silencing child emotions, right? Or if you're teaching, um, you know, community by saying you don't have a voice here, Like, I don't know if I would feel good about that, but other people might. And so I think that you have to not just go with the the, um, intent, but you have to consider the impact and the the research that's that's brought into all of this. It's really complicated. So we're we're with you on that and figuring out if if your your kid's school aligns in that way. But it's really tricky. It's hard to, to rock the boat or question those things. And I think that so much about it is saying, you're not bad or, or a bad culture and I'm not um, creating any any um, like judgment on you, but I'm just saying for me and for my family, it's not working. Like I think that's one way to say it. And I think that in a lot of other ways, we're saying it's okay to disrespect your culture. Like we as, as white privileged women are saying, I disrespect my culture right now. I don't I di- agree. I do not agree. And how can we all be creating a safe space to disagree and to dissent and mm-hmm. to say, no, not anymore. No, just because this has gone on this long doesn't mean it's okay. Just because timeouts are the norm. They are literally, timeouts are prescribed in Kaiser after visit summaries for children, for toddlers, right? All the way through. Just because these things are normal doesn't mean they're necessary, right? Doesn't mean they're humane doesn't mean they work for me or my family. We can choose something else. That's the idea. So it's a lot of cognitive dissonance. It's working through. We're here with you on a difficult process. It's tricky, right? We're getting a lot of hearts. I can't see see who they're from, but (laughs) someone said, I'm in a similar situation because I'm Polynesian descent. You all taught me resist. That has helped me leaps and bounds. This is similar to Maori culture as in the previous question. Yes. Listen to their podcast. It will help you tremendously and perfectly, Sophie. Yes. Oh, oh, thanks. Thank you for sharing, everyone. Yeah. I absolutely love you, too. You have no idea. Oh, we love you, too. It is awkward because you're not part of the culture. It, 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 mm-hmm. it is scary um, going against that grain and mm-hmm. saying, I'm sorry, I, I, I can respect your culture and not participate in it or not let it... Yeah. I wish I had more language can, around this. I can respect it and disagree with it personally. Yeah. I can respect you doing you, but the research I've read, the values I have around my child around welcoming emotions, for example. Hi, consent parenting. Um, Kelty does a knocking thing with her kid when she's in the bath. Um, you know, I can respect where you come from, what you're doing, what your beliefs are, all of these things, your history, all of these things, but... I, I don't want that for my particular family, my particular child. And yeah. that's okay. And can we find a way? Yeah. What, what can we do? But that's how we talk about the resist approach and make yeah. everything a conversation. We're talking with our kid. I can see your point of view. It's valid. I respect it. Here's my concern. Mm-hmm. We talk about with a partner. Oh my gosh, I see you doing these things differently. Or you want to split our time this way or whatever mm-hmm. it is. That's valid. Here's my concern for me. Right. Right. And we we're all raised in these hierarchical parental situations that say, 
You don't get to put your concern on the table. Win, lose. Winner and Good, bad. Yes. Heard, silenced. Yeah. And I think that that's so much of what we're trying to cultivate here at upbringing and to reignite in all of us is that each of us can have a voice and we can all talk about it. It doesn't have to be shitty and scary. We can connect through divides and over bridges and all the things and say what we need and respect the other person still. And no one has to win or lose. But I think it's hard as an advocate for a child. And consent mm-hmm. parenting, you mentioned childism. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge thing that's just not spoken here is saying you are um, you are, are seeing children as inhuman. You are seeing them as other. You are seeing them in this order of hierarchy when they should have a place at the table. They have fewer skills. They have few, less experience, right? They have fewer resources. But they have every right to speak and feel and know and nourish and play and move based on their particular needs. And that busts open the whole family, the paradigm of beliefs, right, that we have with our kids. But it's it's the fight that we're trying to fight right now uh, in, with our own beliefs, in our own homes, with yeah. our in-laws and childcare providers, yeah. right? Politically and who we vote for and what, we're, what we stand for. Yeah. It's a lot of work and we see you, this is a lot. It's a lot. And I think also I feel buoyed by this intersectionality that we don't talk about that often and saying this, this fight against racism, against sexism it mm-hmm. is totally connected in our fight against childism. All of it's connected. All of it is saying, can we look at every person as a whole human being with every right to voice what they need and they want and live their life the way they need to do it, right. whether they're two or 80 whether they're gay or straight, whether they're black or white or anything, or that full rainbow, the beautiful spectrum of every, everything. That's why upbringing is an upside down rainbow to represent the fluidity and the beauty, right? And that it, it's not one way it's upside down. It's Mm -hmm. unpredictable. It's different. It's unique. Mm -hmm. It's sad. Sometimes it's hard sometimes. And all of that needs to be accepted and part of the puzzle yeah right consent parenting mentions that this is so part of these are entrenched values in classism Mm -hmm. and colonization Mm -hmm. grateful for what you're teaching parents thank you for being here we love you yeah it's it's all connected to these greater kind of institutional cultural culturally conditioned things Mm -hmm. that we're all trying to bust and i think that we come home at the end of the day or we're home all day and we're like what can we be doing how can we make it through the day, let alone be thinking about these greater ideals mm-hmm. for social change, um, how we can be contributing, what, can, what we can be doing? And, and our answer always is every moment that our kids challenge us, every scream, every whine, every rude word, everything thrown at us, every quote-unquote misbehavior or quote-unquote bad choice that our kids make is a chance for us to be making change, not just in our child and their growth, not just in our relationship, but in a greater systemic way, mm-hmm. right? To be saying, we don't have to live this way in a hierarchy. We don't have to be operating this way through control. We can be using powers beyond control, respect, empathy, innovation, setting limits and boundaries, trusting, communicating person to person and need to need. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can do that. And, and that back to the childism argument, kids can actually understand that participate in that, right? Uh, change that with us. And that's the realization that I think that you and I've had, Kelty, in growing up alongside our kids is realizing, oh my gosh, their agents have changed. This can, this can really happen, right? We can be changed as we're raising our kids. We can be learning all these skills and respect and empathy and boundary setting and innovation mm-hmm. and, um, and trust and, and all of these things, right? We can be honoring our kids' freedoms, which we have a freedoms model. Um, I don't know if you're all aware that it's downloadable on our website in our shop. It's a free download, as well as our uh, uh, resist approach. But to understand, like, wow, what freedoms do we value as as adults? What freedoms do we value and fight for for other people, right? We, we got to get this to our kids now so that they can understand, yeah. right? And, and really experience it. You can't teach and talk about it. You have to experience it viscerally as humans to make that change. And someone had commented earlier saying, is it too late? I have teenagers. Like, what if I'm just starting this now? 
Yeah. And this is our moment to be giving grace and be trusting in the process, progress over perfection, right? Connection over control, all of these things that say like, it's never too late. You could have a whole day of being in a terrible mood and screaming at your kids. You could have 10 years of over controlling and being sort of, um, a puppet of the patriarchy in a way. And that's okay too. It's never too late to circle back, to make amends, to be like cultivating this awareness. And I mean, we can say this as privileged people who have the time and ability to be thinking about these things and researching and learning about these things. And if you're here, you're that person too, but it's never too late. It's never too late to begin. It's never too late to start. It's never too late to fail and to start again over and over and over. When I think that child parent relationship goes on forever and we think culturally, oh, it's only till they leave the house or it's till mm-hmm. age four or till age whatever, but it, it's a, it's a lifetime if we're lucky enough. And mm-hmm. so I think that I love that idea and we can do that with our friends. That's the thing with the, the resist approach and the freedoms model. It's helped us understand ourselves better, mm-hmm. understand our partners and our friends better. It's been amazing. Yeah. Um, consent parenting, you say we change the culture through parenting. Yes. There's so much power in that. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Someone else says, I love this, but it's so hard in the moment. It mm-hmm. is. And that's why we call it our fail forward attempt. <laughs> we, we can't always get through it. Sometimes we can respect that our kid is their own person with their own unique point of view and their own lens. Mm-hmm. And we get to empathize when they're struggling. We're like, oh my gosh, you want this and you're struggling with this. Do I hear this right? You're saying this. I'm here. I'm listening. And then we get to sync up where we want to say our thing and it just comes out like I want this I need this but you're doing this and it's freaking me out and that's okay and sometimes we can get past that to the innovate step and say we both have needs what can we do about this we need ideas let's do this thing let's create some curiosity and some problem solving skills so that when our kids hit roadblocks with themselves or with other people in the future they're able to be like cool I respect this happening. Of course I'm feeling this way. Of course they're thinking that. Interesting. Okay, I'm, I'm not judging. Everyone has their own thing going on. I'm going to empathize a little bit. I'm going to connect to their struggle and their thing. And then I'm going to say what I need. And then we're going to figure it out, right? We'll figure it out. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And then summarize and trust is really about saying, okay, so we got to this. Okay, so we didn't get to this. Where are we now? We're going to bravely talk about it after the fact when we usually want to just sweep it under the fucking rug or go hide under the covers or pretend it didn't happen and not talk about it till next time in like five minutes or five days or five years or whatever it is. That's the process. That's the conversation Mm -hmm. we're having. And it's, it's a, feels like a lot, but guess what? Our kids give us so many opportunities to practice. So that's why we talk about (laughs) this is the practice. It's not a fix it, change this, the, the idea of changing somebody and fixing situations to be perfectly aligned with our expectations, that is the definition of white supremacy, white patriarchy. Control. Like, that's not how people go. That's not how relationships work. That's not how personal growth happens. It ebbs and flows. It moves, it moves, it moves, it moves. And we have to have that awareness, that patience with our kids and with ourselves that it's a process and that's okay. And it doesn't happen overnight. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. An alternative to saying their name firmly when saying they're sitting in a not so strong open desk drawer. Yes. <laughs> but to oh just like gosh. wrap it up. So your kid is sitting in a not so strong desk drawer and you want to just say their name. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a name. Daisy. 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 Yeah. You want to say their name over and over like, you know, stop doing that. I'm warning you. Why are you in no. there? We talk often in these live sessions about toddler testing. Showing my disapproval. <laughs> but t- toddlers don't test us. Kids don't test us. We, oh, I hit my mic. We end up testing them. Don't touch that again. Don't do that. Don't say that. If you do that one more time, right. if you get in that drawer again, we are challenging our children's slow-growing impulse control, Right? in our discipline that we're so culturally conditioned to have when we have other ways to go about it. Putting the pressure on them to change their behavior 
is really difficult. It's tricky. It's unrealistic. Mm -hmm. It can cause problems because they will let us down because they don't have the skills yet, right? So instead of putting the pressure on our kids in those moments when they're doing something that we don't want them to do, like sitting on an open drawer that's going to break or like taking apart a plant or like Mm -hmm. sitting on their sibling's face or um, starting to throw food off the table. Mm -hmm. And we have that feeling like, hey, I'm going to say your name. Hey, I'm trying to get your attention. I, I think stop. It, right. I think in that moment, we think we're connecting. We're like, we're not correcting. Yeah, we're connecting. Um, someone else just said, what if you keep saying their name and they just don't care? Right. Yes. So we're saying their name. Juliet, Juliet, Juliet. We're trying to connect. Don't do this. Or, hey, pay attention to me. But we that's have, not connecting. We have a bid to connect, but that's not actually connection for a child. We have to remember that kids need more than just words, voices, mm-hmm tone and challenging right vibes Uh, vibes right (laughs) they need connection and true connection isn't just saying hey you you're doing this wrong true connection is saying i'm an ally you're safe in this and if kids feel safe they're willing to do anything so much it is amazing but we have to say am i connecting or correcting that is the question we have to ask ourselves in the moment right so the kid is sitting in the drawer that's going to break right the kid is about to throw food. The kid is emptying a plant out. Mm-hmm. Aside from prevention, which we could be focusing yeah. on when we're able, so they don't actually get in the drawer mm-hmm. or get their hands in the dirt mm-hmm. or start throwing the food because we're not sitting there. Right. Which we can't obviously like always be everywhere. Be avoided. <laughs> yeah. Right. We get in there with the resist approach. And we say, oh my gosh, you're loving sitting in this drawer. Ooh, you're digging into the dirt. And we're slowly stopping their hands. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. The food is such a cool texture. Okay. Mm-hmm. And to a, a, a lot of um, culturally conditioned parents, that might seem very permissive. Just say what you don't want. Just say their name right. and say, stop doing X, Y, Z. That's what we've been programmed to believe we need to do. And instead, based on all the research we've read mm-hmm. for actually modifying behavior and mm-hmm. keeping kids connected to not just themselves, but us and these values and skills around like socialization and living and like normal mm-hmm. stuff, we're going to lean in there and be like, Ooh, what can we do? The innovate step in moments when our kids mm-hmm. make us want to scream and say their name is huge. Yeah. Oh, you're sitting in a boat. I, it's capsizing. I'm going to help you out in a drawer. But I think that bottom line, when our kids are doing something we don't want them to do, mm-hmm. Yes, we can give them information. Yes, we can use humor. Yes, we can do all those things. Mm-hmm. But bottom line, if we have to get there soon or if it's really triggering to us where we're going to respond in a way that's undermining their understanding and value and our connection and learning ultimately, right? Mm-hmm. We just need to follow through lovingly. That's when we go and say, oh my gosh, the drawer, it's about to break. I'm going to help you out of here, mm-hmm. right? We that's, use the word help a lot. Help. I'm going to help you out. Oh, you're touching this plant. I can't let you. I'm going to help you. Stop. And then we process and do all the other things. Mm-hmm. So if we have a lot of time on our hands and it's not time intensive or time like uh, sensitive, sensitive and dangerous, yeah. then we can go through, can I tell you why? Oh my gosh, let's use some creativity. Let's do these mm-hmm. things. If it's about to break or if it's really triggering to us, then we follow through lovingly. The follow through lovingly is in the summarized step of our resist approach that you can download on our website. But that's where we say, I'm going to help your body, which For early kids, the earlier we can do this is saying, I'm going to stop that impulse lovingly and understandably, right? But help you rewire that programming, not just verbally. Right. And that's such a huge thing you're touching on is saying we get so sensitive. Like Mm -hmm. we're all physical as kids are approaching a year. And I feel like around when they get verbal and get more independent, we start testing them and saying, I'm using my words. Do you understand my words? And we start putting that pressure on them, right? And I think that that's when we, between that year and three or four or however many years, need to basically say, Mm -hmm. I see you're incapable. I'm going to help you. And I'm going to move in there swiftly and confidently and neutrally and lovingly to show you Mm -hmm. what's okay and what's not. And then we'll process. We'll give information. We'll give agency. We'll innovate. We'll do all the things. Right? We can do it before, in the moment, or we can do it after. Right? That's the idea. So grateful for you both, someone says. Shared your info with so many teachers, administrators, parents, and my own family and friends. It's made such a shift in my own upbringing and with my child and husband. That's so great to hear. Thank you. That's wonderful. I know. We're all with you. We're here. We're Mm -hmm. struggling. (sighs) 
we're growing, we're doing all the things one conversation at a time as we say. Mm -hmm. This is the work. It's a daily thing. It's a minute to minute meltdown by meltdown situation. Um, you're doing an amazing job. We're proud of you. You should be proud of yourself. Yeah. Right. If we can keep focusing and we talk about this every kind of wrap up to these lives, if we can keep letting things go, giving each other grace, focusing on that circle back moment, not a grill back, but a circle back where we can connect and say, mm -hmm. this thing happened earlier. It makes me really uncomfortable to talk about and I don't want to bring it up, but this thing yeah. happened. What can we do differently next time? I love you. I want to help you. What's happening? If we can look at every time our kid struggles as, or is exhibiting a challenging behavior as struggling and then mm -hmm. struggles as has a need and has a brain situation going on that we don't understand. Um, we'll all be a little closer. We'll all be moving forward together. If we can take that pressure off the moment yeah. when our kids are doing something that is making us feel like I'm going to yell, I'm going to scream, I'm going to storm out of here, whatever it is. If we can take that breath and take the pressure off and say, we're going to talk about this later and it's going to be okay. And I'm just going to get in there and say, how are you doing? What do you need? We're going to go take a breath and step away. Well, all the better. I love that, Kel. And I think remembering, too, that when we can't do that, we can't take the breath, we can't do the thing, mm -hmm. that's okay, too. We have all these opportunities to keep building these skills. There's so many opportunities in parenting. Someone says, I feel like the time between work and bedtime is so crazy and goes so fast. We feel the same way. And I feel so hectic. And all of your amazing advice is playing in my head, but I don't feel like I'm getting very far. This weekend is a time for more commitment to making time to work at this better. Yes, this weekend, anytime, every single little time you're making, you're making change, you're doing it. It's hard to see because it's not controlling another person's behavior so overtly that you see an outcome mm -hmm. and expectations met. All of those things are, are in the moment immediately very validating, mm -hmm. but they're ultimately not building our kids' skills, our connection, right? raising ourselves up in this way. And so the, 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 um, the payoff, the, yeah. yeah, the outcome can sometimes feel like, Oh, it's not happening enough, but it really is. It's an investment that you're doing, that you're all doing, yeah. we're doing, and it pays off little by little by little, but we have to keep believing that we're doing the work and respectful parenting in this way. Yeah. Every time we sit there and we're playing the gray and you're like, I'm not controlling, I'm not yelling. I'm not con like telling another person to do something they can't do right now. We're doing the work mm -hmm. and you can't see that outcome because it feels like a struggle. But every time we struggle, we're still moving forward. We're still doing the things. We're still advancing. Awareness is a win. Yeah. If we're aware and if we're helping our kids become aware, that's all we need to be doing over and over and over besides keeping everyone safe, obviously. Love it. So you're doing but the work. You're right. some bonks and three stooges stuff. It's like all little stuff. It's <laughs> helpful learning opportunities, I would say. But anyway. Um, we're here for you. Uh, reach out to us, DM, email, head over to our shop where we have so many of our guides that really are so helpful. They, they really mm -hmm. give our whole spiel in a way that we don't always have time to um, unpack with you. And on to these kind of boil down into little bite-sized things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So head over there. Let us know if you have questions, any feedback. We're here to support you. We're all growing up together. We're all doing a beautiful, wonderful job growing up alongside our kids. Thanks for being here.